0: Ah, uh, Jim Collison here. We're live from Infotech 2016, just after the lunch session, and we are doing live videos all day. Infotech one day this year, and we're doing live interviews. I'm here with Dustin Tower. Dustin, welcome back to uh, Happy another, to be back. Thank yeah, you. I think you you might hold the record. For number of these done with me it, or
1: at least consecutive here, here at the conference i think we're four or five it's, it, maybe I, I know i think this is my fifth conference and i'm yeah. pretty sure it's at least four for yeah. us so I if i didn't done, get you the first year right
0: my, my favorite one is the one where we're talking and they're tearing literally tearing down
1: they're tearing down the booth around us because it was yeah. time to go and we were, wanted to get it in yeah so
0: if you if you uh if you're watching these videos and you want to go back and see if you really like what dustin has to say this time just Google his name, right? T-A-U-E-R, That's last it. name. Yeah. And, uh, and Google that with either Infotech or Heartland Developer Conference, and you'd see these videos Pretty much come up, yep. Yeah. yep. We'll talk about different stuff each time. We talk about different stuff, so some good stuff. Catch us up a little bit for folks who haven't watched those videos. Mm-hmm. Who you are, where you're from, what you do, those kinds of
1: things. Uh, Dustin Tower, I'm from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. I work for Easel Solutions. We're a uh, training and consulting uh, company there. We kind of focus... Uh, a little bit half on uh the the training side of things we teach uh we're adobe authorized training partner kind of teach everything under the umbrella there from the design tools to the development tools that Adobe has on top of that we do a lot of e-learning development we do a lot of uh, uh, just general web and mobile development so we kind of teach all the technologies we also use and it just kind of depends on our client some want to learn uh, they can come take a class from us and others just want us to do it for them they don't have time so yeah what, what,
0: what platforms are you using to then deploy these training
1: Uh, So we use a a, a lot of what we do is still in class or in person training uh, just because we have a pretty large customer base uh, in the Twin Cities and when it's easy enough for them to, to come to the classroom, they like to do that. But uh, we use Adobe Connect for a lot of our remote training, we're uh, Adobe authorized or Adobe Connect authorized reseller as well. So we know the platform really well. And it's a great, engaging platform for not just video delivery, but also doing you know, a little back and forth with the students and having a little bit more engaging environment.
0: Yeah, we've actually looked into that at Gallup for Mm -hmm. delivering some of our coaching courses online, Mm -hmm. we haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. uh, But but We've built a studio a couple times. <laughs> we've practiced a couple times. And every time we get to that point of launch, somebody will say, oh, let's hold off. But
1: well, if there's ever questions, you know who to call. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, for sure. I should use you uh, probably more as a resource. Sure. Mm-hmm. On how many folks get, come through your training in a year?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a good question. It, it, it varies year to year. It's kind of interesting. The last, uh, you know, I, I would say about the last year and a half, um, the, the training side has actually been down because I think – especially on the web side of things, people are a little unsure of which direction they want to go. There's a ton of technologies out there. There's a ton of platforms people are using. Um, And so everybody's sort of spinning their wheels a little bit. So that that means, well, we've we've done a lot more on the consulting side and, and just on the development side because people just wanted us to do something for them and and uh so um but yeah there's it's it's a it's a pretty large number i i, I couldn't t- wouldn't have any idea off the top of my head how many we, we trained from nor here. should you probably yeah uh, well <laughs> it. it's a fair question to ask
0: let me ask you this what's hot at the moment when we think about training what do you what's what's in demand what are folks asking for what are you getting good numbers on
1: um it's a probably a toss-up between uh, e-learning, which is just a, a, a vertical that's always hot because companies are constantly trying to train New people, uh, you know how that goes with, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with what that's you're doing, sure. um, and 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 they're trying to move that training to something that's more versatile, something that's a little uh, can uh, can turn a little quicker with uh, with how they create it, um, it's, whether it's delivered online or in person. It's normally a blended model of that. So our e-learning courses, things like Captivate and uh, Articulate, and some of those tools are really popular. Um, on the other side, front-end development, I think, is probably it, – it's a place that we, we're really strong with. We don't do as much training on the server side. Um, but front-end development, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, because everything is having to utilize those technologies nowadays because that's it kind of what the web is made up of.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff the, the web runs on. Any uh, When we think about JavaScript, there's mm-hmm. a couple – Variations of that—is it fairly equal across them, or is there one that's more popular than another? The the
1: the state of things right now is you know, for a lot of years, JavaScript kind of had a bad name because it didn't work well between browsers, and people just didn't like developing in it. Those like the Flash glory days of like the 2000s and that kind of thing, and and it wasn't really JavaScript's fault; it was browser. Vendor fault yeah, because yeah. they well, just the browsers were new. I they, mean, they were young. Well, they were young and they right. also wouldn't agree on what they wanted to support. Right. And sometimes, right. you know, uh, companies would just support what they want to and not other things. And so, uh, so that led to, you know, frameworks like or libraries like jQuery that is still today the most popular uh, uh, library for using Java trip. That then morphs into frameworks like right. React, uh, Angular, Ember, some of these kind of, you know, in some cases, all-in-one solutions. Um, in others, you know, you can kind of pick and p- pull them apart. Um, React is kind of the hot one right now. Really? Facebook developed okay. that um, uh, a, a couple of years ago now, technically, but uh, uh, it's it it, it kind of turns front-end development on its head a little bit because you do a lot more of your. Uh, your, your your typical styling or what you might think of just the UI, you do that in JavaScript a little bit more, and it gets compiled down into um, what we would know as the HTML and everything that you'd see in the browser. So uh, it it definitely is a, a, a an interesting framework. Um, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. It's kind of still at that point. It's always where that way, though. Right? Everybody everybody's got their flavor. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I know a lot of, two
0: or more gather, there will be conflict. E- e- exactly.
1: Right? And that, and when one gets big enough, then, <laughs> then all of a sudden it becomes a big target. Yes. And, you know, and so, uh, but between react and angular, those are kind of the, the two big ones that people yeah. use. There there's, there's sort of, well now old school ones like backbone that have been around forever, um, that kind of paved the way for a lot of things too, that are, that are still popular, but I, you know, a lot of people too, are trying to move to um, just vanilla JavaScript as much as possible. As we get more features like offline capabilities, um, you know, promises, some of the, um, the, the asynchronous programming techniques that have been hard to do with JavaScript over the years that other frameworks have solved, um, we can start to do some of those things now um, in the browser without a framework. And so the technique now is to kind of just pick and choose. If you just need something to load data, maybe you can do that with JavaScript. Maybe you just grab one little piece of a library and use that and then keep the rest of it, you know, your own uh, JavaScript code.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned offline. You're here talking about offline. That's my Web sessions applications. is here. That's your sessions. So you said that, I thought, offline web applications that doesn't so talk (laughs) explain that to me because that's like uh military intelligence yeah it it is offline web how does that work
1: it's it it is it's it's the future is (laughs) now um so in a nutshell the way it works is forms of this technology have existed for a while we've had the ability for um you know browsers to cache files so when you visit a website again um it might be saved on your computer already. So if you didn't have the internet connection or there was a problem loading it, that file would still load. And there was something called an application cache that still exists, but is no longer going to be supported, that, that solved this problem pretty easily. But it had huge limitations and was just a pain to work with. So there's a new API in the browser called the Service Worker, and it's a part of a whole bunch of other uh, uh, similar things that that, that all do some, some fancy stuff behind the scenes in the browser. But Service Worker objects uh, essentially run outside of the web page itself, and they stand right between your browser and the server. Any network request that happens, this JavaScript file will, will, will intercept that request and decide what to do. And things that it can do are save some of your other assets down to your computer. So if you don't have an Internet connection, it'll just access those that are that are available offline. Um, or it can decide, you know, you just requested this image, but your network just went down. You know, so we can't pull in. We'll just show you a placeholder image, you know, in the, in place of that until the network comes back up. So it, it's really acting as a proxy for your network, um, but allowing you to rather than pull up a browser, go to a website and see a, you know, Internet connection not found you know please reconnect you can actually serve content to them and show them content in the browser that they can use um we do this all the time with mobile apps pull up evernote you make a note even if you don't have internet you can do that with that app right and that app will synchronize with the server after the fact well this is all stuff that's capable now in the browser without us actually needing a a native app on our phone
0: yeah so when you say in the browser does that include a browser like edge are we edge is there getting
1: there uh, so right now the way the server the way the support works is uh, chrome firefox and opera all support it and have for a few versions now um, microsoft has said that it is a high priority feature for them and it is so it's you know they have I have a lot of hyper. Yeah. I haven't seen exactly (laughs) when that's coming, but I I would guess very, very soon because again, it's a, it's a really sought after feature. Um, The, the, the sort of big holdout is Safari Mm -hmm. because uh, Apple has not said that they will uh, implement this yet. They're going to have to, because that's kind of the way it works with web nowadays is you kind of have to mm-hmm. implement features that are very popular and this is this is a, a feature that is um uh getting close to um the, the it, it's a working draft right now with the w3c but uh uh it, it will be finalized and it, it will it will you know we will browser developers will have to implement yeah it, so.
0: give me a, a, a best case or a great user scenario when we think about using these offline What's a what's a just a drop dead what what do you use all the time well what i what i love there there,
1: there's the the easiest use case scenario that is probably the most common is just being able to show your users a web page when a connection isn't available so it doesn't doesn't mean you're downloading your entire website and saving it to the user's laptop or phone or whatever it might be um, because that's that's kind of not feasible especially with highly dynamic websites right. but the idea is if a network connection fails or a request fails you can serve them a static offline page that has support information you know it kind of depends on your use case what you'd want to put on there but at least is something that tells them your connection isn't you're not connected right now we're not sure why but you need to figure that out to be able to use it so it's a real easy solution to or a real easy fix um to add in on the flip side of it when you think about the way that we use mobile devices now i think in 2014 the stat came out that uh, over 65 percent of users download zero apps on their phone on a monthly basis yeah, just leave it's them. like you get just leave it you get your phone you kind of download all the big apps that you need you know all your main apps but then you, you don't you're not every day going to the app store looking for new apps like most users don't do that anymore they just use we want stuff in the web browser we want right. stuff to behave like that well on mobile devices you can bookmark uh websites you and ios says add to home screen um chrome on android uh says something similar i can't think of it off the top of my head but The bookmark actually shows up on your home screen looking just like an application. It's got a little icon. It's got everything. Now, if that could behave offline, which it can on Android, actually, if you're using the Chrome browser. uh, iOS, of course, isn't there yet because of Safari. But I could literally go on a news website that I like, bookmark it, add it to my home screen, and then be able to use it without having to go and download another app from the app store. The benefit of this is that every time I launch it, it has an opportunity to refresh itself to load the newest version to load the latest information i don't have to go back to my app store to download the latest update that might have a security fix or something like that it's just yeah, it's like it's like the web you open up a web browser you go to a website you get the latest version of that website every single time how great is that the distribution is easier i mean there's a lot of benefits to that model
0: yeah i could see the news being one of those things that's it it's sure it's dynamic, but if you don't have a connection, what you had last is probably yeah. mm-hmm. better than. Sorry, you get nothing at all. Oftentimes, you might be going back to read something that you would hope to get access to. You
1: wanted those, you know, quick save because you're going to be on a plane, and you know you don't want to pay the go go in flight Wi Fi or something like that. You know, yeah. you just want to quick, you know, save a couple things offline, and and it doesn't require you to. Again, load a native app that uh, you know. You, this might not be a site you follow very often. Some okay. you just saw something on Twitter quick. You want a quick book. You know, save it for a reading later, and and have that ability to cache it offline.
0: Yeah. Anything else along that that you that you're going to share with the?
1: So the group—it's two sessions. The first session is going to be kind of an overview. Uh, we're not going to get too much into the code. We're just going to kind of look at the technologies, how you hook it up, what's required for it. And then the second session is you know mostly code, where we'll just kind of code up a simple example and and go through. And then I'll share some kind of you know more deeper dive resources. Yeah. For that's people.
0: that's kind of different for Infotech. Usually yeah. this—that's a Heartland Developer Conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, you know they, they always
1: let me come in here and you know leak a little developer stuff. You know, so it, it's uh it, it, that's my my little niche here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. Well, let's let's kick back to the training a little mm-hmm. bit. Right, very interesting. By the way, but let's kick back to training. So you know, we, there's a bunch of e-learning sites mm-hmm. out there now, and we think of Udemy and Lynda.com. Mm-hmm. Lynda now being owned by uh, LinkedIn, I think. I think that's, that's uh, right. yes, yep, yep, yep. That's that right. right.
1: Um, wh- I think to the tune of like you know 1.2 billion dollars or something like that. It somebody was got somebody got a nice payday. Yeah, right.
0: That's all. That's all that really. Somebody got a nice payday. But uh, when you think about that, w- w- with the average user, where's the right place? I mean, from what you know in the landscape, mm-hmm. where's the right place for most people to get started with training like that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's the it, it's kind of the big question because it it depends on what you're looking into, what your what vertical you're in. You know, if you are a uh, you know just a technologist, you're a you know. One of the decision makers on your team, you know, you're not actually doing the implementation, but you're just needing to like understand the technology around it. That's a very different use case than someone who is. I'm a .NET developer and I'm horrible with JavaScript. I need to, you know, get better at that. So, um, I think some of the really large websites, you know, like the you know Udemy's or Lynda.coms, you know, they, it's kind of. It, can become a fire hose of information for people, where you you kind of don't know exactly where to go, or um, sometimes it, it it's too surface level for people. They really want to dive down, you know, into a narrow focus, you know, and that's that's one of the things that we really like doing is you know custom training for companies that have a very narrow focus because you know they might know. 80% of what they need but that last 20% is something that's really hard um, or, or something that they just haven't been exposed to and they're not they can't find a video tutorial that shows them exactly how to do that. And uh, I, I think, you know, the blended model of e-learning, you know, they've tried it with MOOCs over the years, you know, kind of like massive online classes that that have had, you know, varying success, you know, to a certain degree, but, um, but, you know, when it gets to be too big, you don't get those specific questions answered. You know, you can watch all these videos online over and over and over again. But, you know, if you don't have someone to ask a question to or to get a little bit of customized information, it gets harder to do. So um, a lot of companies, including us, we do we do a thing called office hours where, you know, we'll just be available, you know, for a certain time for people, you know, for our clients who, you know, have that uh, option available to them um, to be able to just say, hey, let's just answer a few questions for a couple of hours, you know not going to cover anything earth shattering in that yeah. time we're not going to scope out a you know a week-long course or cover anything like that yeah. but but it's that blended model of learning that's been successful over the years on the e-learning side um, work away on your own find a site that that gives you that information but also have still some traditional resources even if it's not in person it could still be online
0: yeah do you find in those office hours you actually get Some your uh, uh, some insight into what your customers are asking and thinking. I mean, you guys capture that during those. Yeah, I mean, I
1: I love it because um, I mean, every time I teach anything, whether it's HTML 101 to a designer who's never touched the web, or whether it's you know, you know, a deep dive into Angular or something like that, I literally learn something every time I teach it because they'll ask a question they'll bring something to me that might be their own project or their own work. And I'm like, wow, I have no idea. That's a that's a tough, you know, and then I'll have to go and look. It's kind of like motivation to look it up. And that's what I kind of like, the more back and forth. I mean, it's selfish a little bit because I, I get a lot from it too. <laughs> I'm not just helping you learn something. I kind of learn along the way because by me teaching you, it's forcing me to step outside of my comfort zone of like, oh, I just teach from this one book or this one, you know, tutorial. Don't ask me anything outside of that, and that's why the more back and forth, you know, I, I think it, it's it's good for business too, right? The better relationships you have with your clients, the more often they're going to probably come back to you. But but to me, that it's that back and forth, it's a it's a really a mutually beneficial arrangement and uh, and a good way to you know have that blended learning model.
0: Yeah. No, we. We like to have we do some podcasting and stuff at Gallup to kind of get that customer feedback, and we get that through our Facebook groups as well. Yep. They're able to ask us questions all the time, and we find that really, really beneficial. Some companies don't want to hear it, yep, and so they they don't. So they don't,
1: right? Well, but, yeah. well and that's the thing. Yeah, I, I think it's it's halfway being available to where your customers need you. You know, on Facebook, on Twitter, on a blog. You know, in some cases, you know, like Facebook isn't a great medium for us to communicate with our customers because most people aren't on Facebook doing photoshop tutorials or development work or anything like that facebook is their personal or you know facebook isn't a place they want to engage with us so it's finding that niche of where where do my customers want me yeah. and i need to be available there for them yeah
0: well it was really quiet when we started uh, yeah it,
1: <laughs> the, 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 the sessions are out the
0: volume has really picked up that's kind of cool though that's just this is what the conference is all mm-hmm. about um, when you think about the future, so let's look a couple years ahead. This is a question I've asked you a ton. It would be fun to go back and see
1: what you say. I know, I know. To look at my predictions. I'll have to like look, look, look those up online. <laughs> I wonder how smart he
0: is. What are you excited for in the future? What do you see out there that, that you get you get pretty excited about?
1: Um, it Definitely the the kind of snowball effect that we're having on the website from a technology standpoint. Um, I kind of feel like from... You know 2010 until 2014 ish there were a lot of experiments and a lot of things that were happening on the web but nobody again nobody really knew what to do you know we, we were still limited by uh, you know older browsers or, or a lack of support and that kind of stuff you know and now that we're on this cycle of you know getting some more rapid rapid investment into the web both from uh, you know organizations like the W three C who are you know approving a lot of the technologies or, or writing the standards for for a lot of those to the open source world. That you know, I mean, I can't even imagine where we would be right now without open source involvement. Because literally, almost every technology I use now is an open source technology. It's a tool that it's, it's a library that someone just is developing in their spare time, or it's a, it's a development tool that. Is open source because you know, and it's just kind of that's the that's the model that works. Is like just be open about your technology, share it; others will contribute to it. Um, and so I think that really leads to this kind of rapid snowball effect of growth. So you know, more people using it means there's more testing, means there's more intrigue, and, and technologies like offline web applications wouldn't exist if it wasn't a demand for them or what there weren't people trying to use them and trying to make them work.
0: Yeah, is HTML HTML5 living up to the expectation that you think that it, a couple of years ago it was everybody was like, oh, HTML5 is it? I mean, I know we're, we're still inventing standards. Yeah, for it.
1: yeah. I mean, that that is kind of the irony is that you know, I mean, it it's 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 been kind of the buzzword over the years that oh, I'll just make it an HTML. Well, HTML5 is really just the web as it exists right now. There isn't really you know, I mean, the version is kind of irrelevant. It's all about the technology that you're using and. And I really do think that people have become, have, it, it's taken a paradigm shift for some traditional developers, traditional designers, traditional companies to um, understand the nature of how development works now. You know, we, we used to live in a pixel perfect environment where you would design a website, you would send me a Photoshop mock of that website, and I would need to make it look exactly like you made it, you designed it. Every single pixel, every single margin, and we would sit down. We, you know, we, and then that was the challenge is to make it look exactly like that. Well, we can't do that nowadays because there's a million devices out there, a million different screen resolutions. We're not going to make our content look perfect in every scenario. We want to build progressive websites and ones that that kind of can, can cater. Or can work in the lowest scenario possible: offline users who don't have a network connection, users on uh, feature phones, which are really popular worldwide. I mean, we have a lot of cool smartphones in the U.S., but yeah. smartphones are not the uh, most popular device. Not you know, when norm. you when you yeah. when you get over into Asia yeah, yeah. Um, or other con- or other other regions of the world. Um, so understanding that, like, we need that the the key is to make our content available, and so we want to approach it. Let's. Let's make it work first and enhance from there. Oh, they have an internet connection, great. That means we can do some extra fancy things with that. But if they don't, we still don't want to completely exclude them because internet is not a given, especially when you're on the go. Same thing with design. You know, we want it to look as pretty as possible at every single resolution, but there are going to be some devices that maybe don't display it as well. So the key is is our content there? Can they, is it usable? Is it a good user experience to get them through there? So it's that kind of progressive model that we want to use yeah. nowadays. No,
0: interesting. Last question: When we think about the browser, mm-hmm. uh, we always think about it in terms of a PC. So we think of Chrome and Firefox, yep. Safari, Opera, and Internet Explorer. Uh, now Edge. Is that going to change fundamentally when we when we move? I mean. PC sales have all but flatlined or are declining. Of course, uh, mobile is growing, although that's showing some signs of, of stabilizing. Because, because everybody has one now. <laughs> right, no, right, on. right on, everybody who has one's gonna yeah. have one. It'll grow, it'll yep. still grow. Does that change as a developer? Does that change that that version on the browser? Yep. The browser versions on the mobile don't seem to get the attention that browser on PC did.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So firstly, on, on a platform like iOS, you know, you can get, you can download Chrome for iOS, you can download Firefox for iOS, Opera. All of those browsers, though, are actually still using Safari's rendering engine because they, they use something called a web view. So even though it's Chrome on iOS, it's not Chrome. Right. Google has done everything they can to do what they can, yeah. but that's it. They're still limited by how that platform allows you to do it versus on Android where each browser is able to implement however they want, which is why we have things like offline. Yeah. But in general, I think the browser is going to become more of an application container for us. We're always going to have the traditional use cases of, oh, I'm just going to go to CNN.com and, you know, read the news or log into, you know, some account somewhere. But but the browser is a vehicle for us to deliver applications now that, like in my talk, can... can be offline can actually behave. I, you know, I use a um, a, a program on my uh, laptop called Wmail because I have a Google Inbox for my personal email. And Wmail is like a shell for Google Inbox. It's literally just loading web content into it. And while it's actually a, a standalone application, it's actually web technologies that have been packaged as a standalone application. So it's a really kind of an extension of the browser. And so that's why I think, you know, the browser itself while it's not going to be anytime soon. It just—it's just a vehicle for delivering yeah. content to us, mm-hmm. and what's running inside of that browser um, uh, is going to become more application-like right. for us, or we're going to be used to that because it's going to have to. Like, it's got to work everywhere, and we're used to the the usability of apps on our phone. You know, why not just have that same experience in the browser?
0: Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I think we still have years ahead. Of some of these debates, mm-hmm. some of these battles, some of how does this work, how does that work, what will life look like post mobile? Like I still yeah. think I still think there's a new form factor coming. Well that's not necessarily a flat screen on a phone, you know, we hold
1: up to well, and, and there you know, and that's that's kind of the interesting part about the web is because you know, we know the internet's not going anywhere and, and the and the technology behind it isn't gonna change because Again, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are here to stay. You know, it's a, it's a, that's not going to change. But leveraging that same technology in other mediums, whether it is on, you know, Google Cardboard or the Oculus Rift or in some immersive environment, I mean, we can do 3D on the web. There's no, there's there's a lot possible. Part of the limitation is just memory and performance and some of the yeah. things of running yeah. in the browser. But when you get outside of there, those same technologies can actually do. Um, you know what you would expect as a native app, so why not share those technologies between both places? It's yeah. a lot easier for us developers to develop once and publish it to a lot of places. Hey, I I built this web app. It works on the web. It's packaged as an iOS app. It's packaged as an Android app, so I have that ability to do that now. I would rather just have it be one app that goes everywhere, but right. it's, we can be portable with our code.
0: All right, we're out of time. I could talk hey. to you for a while. I know, I know. I, we guys are doing like
1: the hour-long segments, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I should maybe just book you for two yeah, yeah. <laughs> next time. Dustin, thanks for taking hey, a thanks few for minutes. having me. It's
0: always good to have you. Thanks.